Well, good morning to you. I want to say, so Ken and I have been friends for years, and I haven't been in your finished building. So I want to congratulate you on your finished building. It looks great. Last time I was here, it was undone, and you know they hadn't finished the sheetrock. No carpet, chairs weren't in and everything. So I want to congratulate you on you know your building, a lot of hard work. A lot of you have sacrificed. I've seen pictures and social media about a lot of you being up here working. So congratulations, not only just for a building, but for the ministry that you have in the area where people feel comfortable enough to come to your church. Um, you're, you're powerful. W- what if I told you that you could be the most powerful person in a room? Um, some time ago, I took some leaders down to Walt Disney World. I know, tough job. Uh, and when we went down there, something very interesting happened. They wanted to go on this roller coaster. We're at Hollywood Studios, and I uh, became the purse and the bag holder. And so I tried to do that very well, right? So I'm standing there, and I'm holding it, and I notice on the sign it says, the wait is 20 minutes. Well, you probably know this about Disney, but they always overestimate the amount of time, so when you get to the front of the line, you feel like you've, you beat the clock. It's just a feeling that they try to give to you. Well, said 20 minutes, so I'm thinking, okay, maybe 15, 18 minutes, right? Well, you say, why is time so important? Well, because right around the corner, two of the people in the group, their dream was to see Beauty and the Beast. So I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have to run this really tight. Well, 40 minutes passes, and the people I was with had yet to come out. So as I'm standing there, I'm looking around, and I, I see a lady, just, she's just kind of standing there. And I walk up to her, and I say, excuse me, ma'am, tell her the situation. And I said, is there any way that you can help me? She goes, well, you're not going to make Beauty and the Beast. I said, okay. Is there anything that you can help me with? She says, yes. Her name was Maria. Maria says, follow me. So I follow her into the roller coaster ride, and I get to this door, and it says, cast members only. And I think to myself, well, I'll wait here. She'll go ahead. So she goes on, and she turns around. She goes, what are you doing? I said, well, it says cast members only, which is what they call employees. So I I didn't want to go past the door. She said, you're with Maria. Let's go. (laughs) I said, Maria gets things done. So I go with Maria. She goes, when you see your friends, let me know. So we're looking, we're looking. I said, there they are. And she weighs them very aggressively over. And they were like, they had done something. They had gotten in trouble. But she kind of enjoyed for a moment. And so they walked over. And she said, now, y'all need to hurry up. But she did two things before we left. She got on a radio, and she radioed over to another cast member, an employee at Beauty and the Beast, and she said, the young party's on their way. Please take care of them. And then she did one other thing. She gave everybody an extra fast pass because we didn't, we didn't have you know, an extra one to use. And she goes, so when you're done with Beauty and the Beast, please come right back and ride the roller coaster because that's really what you're here for. So we, you know, we walk very expeditiously because you can't run in Disney. And we walk as we just, we get over there, and this lady goes, oh, young party. You know, I'm like, oh, we must stand out. And uh, she goes, follow me. So I felt really weird because right as we got to the very top of the stairs, I looked, and it was packed. Well, all these people got here early, and they're still in the back. And I come right before it starts, and here I am being paraded down the steps. And so I thought, don't look at anybody. (laughs) So I didn't. Kept my head down, walked all the way down. They took us down to the second row, and they seated us, and she said, enjoy the show. And 30 seconds later, the show started. Now, Maria gave intention, and Maria gave attention to a group of people that actually created a moment, and moments always evolve into a story. So Maria became a moment maker. 
Why, why is Maria so powerful? Why is Maria so meaningful? It's because she was kind and she cared, which now makes me want to come back to see her or to experience Disney all over again. She made a decision that I'm going to care for people, I don't know. I'm going to give them a certain feeling that they don't even know they're going to experience that's going to evolve into a story. She understood two words. Actually, two words Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Two simple words, but powerful. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. You say, God, hospitality sounds such like an archaic word. Like, does it have like meaning in our modern times? It does. Because when you see it and feel it, you want more of it. What does it even mean? What does is, what is practicing hospitality even mean? Think about it this way. These two words, think of this word picture, literally means to, to pursue with the intensity of effort. Almost as if you're chasing down a criminal. That same intensity. That you want to care so much for somebody. That people feel that intensity and that passion from you. But the challenge is this. We're busy. Sometimes we're so busy that the people we need to practice hospitality towards, we walk right past. Sometimes the people we need to practice hospitality towards are right in front of us, but we're so busy on a device that we look right past them. And so practicing hospitality isn't archaic. It's actually revolutionary. It would revolutionize our lives, our churches, if we could figure out how to do it. So, here's the thought. What are some ways that you can give the person in front of you the best you have as often as you can? Because I think deep down inside, that's what we want to do. That's what another person wants from us. We just don't quite say it like that. We quite, haven't quite figured it out. So how do you practice hospitality? And like, why is this even important? Jason, you're, what you, why did you even show up today? Well, one, Ken's out of town. But why even this topic? Because Jesus lived this way. And Jesus invites you and me to live this way. In fact, whether you follow Jesus or not, here's the good news about this. It actually makes your life better, but one step further, it actually makes the lives around you better as well. So Jesus lived this way, that's why. Jesus invites you and me to live this way, that's why. So now I need to figure out how to do this. And the good news is this. It's very practical. In fact, you can do this at work, you can do it at home, you can do it at school, you can do it on the ball field, you can do it here, you can do it at the store, you can do it anywhere you want to. You can become powerful wherever you are. Not in an arrogant sense, but an influential sense. But how do you know if you need to be doing this or not? Well, let me give you a question. What's it like to be on the other side of you? I mean, it's, it's, it's easy for us to say a lot about ourselves because we're not on the other side of ourselves. And I don't know if you've ever asked anybody, what's it like to be on the other side of me? This means we don't do selfies. This means like we actually ask people, what's it like to be on the other side of me? You are so kind and caring. You're rude. You don't give attention to anybody. You care about yourself. 
oh, I didn't see that in the mirror. (laughs) And so one way for us to gauge how we're doing in this area is to ask the question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Uh, My wife, Stacy, we were on a date one time at this restaurant. It's probably like Waffle House. I take care of her. And uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. It was like Burger King. I said, baby, I want you to have it your way, you know. So just messing. It was like Applebee's. Come on, I got class. And so we were sitting at a restaurant, and she, uh, she's a therapist. So it's, all, it's interesting to be married to a therapist because you get all kind of feedback, day and night. It's helpful. <laughs> solicited and unsolicited. I'm like, is it, are we husband and wife right now? Is this therapy session? You know what I'm saying? J- JK, JK. And uh, so one, one night we're on a date, and she just starts like talking. Now, here's the thing. I, I talk for both of us enough. So when she starts talking, it's like, okay, dial in and listen, because it's, it's got wisdom, there's meaning. Okay, so I'm listening, and she's like, God, your hands are beautiful. And I'm like, okay, she's about to tell me something. You're looking at my hands right now going like, your hands aren't beautiful. You got a crooked finger. Like, what's pretty about those things? So she starts talking, pouring out her heart. Well, something happened. There was a, a, a lady came in, and her hair caught my attention, because it was an interesting color. And it just made me like think, you know, why, what happened? There could have been no reason. It was just intriguing, okay? So I'm like looking at this different color hair, and I'm looking at Stacy, and I'm, you know, back and forth, back and forth, and mm-hmm, 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 I'm listening to her. And then all of a sudden, this high school couple comes in. I guess they're on a date. I don't know. And they sit down. They have no more been seated than she's like doing, you know, going, doing all this kind of business, and and he's like, I mean, he has no idea what's hidden. You know, I don't know what you fight about in high school, but evidently they found it. And so they're doing their thing. And so now it's like hair distraction, Stacy, this high school couple, you know, kind of just, it's like being at a tennis match. You know, I'm just going back and forth. And Stacy says this, Jason, what have I been saying? I have two options, only two. Tell her I started out listening, but I lost track. Or... Make up something. And so as you would think, a guy sitting on a stage talking about the Bible, I made up something. (laughs) True story. She'll be here at 11. You can ask her. So I said this stuff, and she said, yes, you're right. I'm like, I should get paid for this. (laughs) I literally just made up something. And she said, but I said that 10 minutes ago. I said, look, I'm going to shoot straight with you. You know, and she's like, I don't get it. She goes, I just wish that you would pay more attention to me than the distractions around you. I wish you were like fully present with me. So I had to spend the rest of the night. We went to like diamond store afterwards, you know, and all this stuff. It was like chilies and Applebee's was not going to suffice that night. Here's what I learned. That being fully present is intentionally choosing to be aware of where you are and who is right in front of you. You see, talking about practicing hospitality, uh, how, how do you do that? And today, I just want to talk about one, one way. There's probably a million. I don't know. But I want to talk about one. And as we kind of get there, I want you to think about this, that when you choose to be fully present, when you choose to practice hospitality, it's recognizing where you are and who's right in front of you. When you start doing that, you will be shocked at people's response to you. Why? Because it is rare. We are so busy. It is a rare thing to receive from somebody else. When you choose to be fully present, which is a way to practice hospitality, 
you absolutely are declaring what you value. So if I'm practicing hospitality and we're having a conversation, I'm like, uh-huh, 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 yeah, that's good. You know, and I begin to get, I declare what I value. And I am telling you, I don't value you. I don't value your time. I don't value your words. I don't value your feelings. I don't value you. But what I do value are the distractions, my preferences. So when you make the intentional choice to be fully present, which is a way to practice hospitality, you are declaring what you value. I am fully here with you. How do you know that? We'll talk about that in just a second. I am declaring what I value. So again, what's it like to be on the other side of you? Practicing hospitality, a way to do that is to be fully present. The good thing about this, you could start it right away. You could literally walk out of these doors, get in your car, and start right away. So what are three areas? Three areas where you can be fully present. The first area is mentally. If I'm going to practice hospitality, I'm going to continually show kindness and care, almost with the intensity of going after a criminal. One way to do that is to be fully present with people. And three areas to be fully present. One, mentally. You know what that means? It's literally, it's literally pressing pause on what you're thinking and pressing play on what somebody else is saying. Have you ever found yourself, you've got 50,000 thoughts, somebody starts talking to you and you're like, are you done? I got stuff to think about. In fact, I haven't stopped thinking since you've started talking, but you just keep on talking. You ever felt like that? Don't look at the person next to you, please. <laughs> Especially if it's your spouse. Or have you been the recipient of that? You know? You're like, I don't, I, don't actually, I, th- I don't actually think you're listening. I actually think you're listening to the conversation in your own head, not the one that we're having. So it's pressing pause on what you're thinking to press play on what somebody else is saying. In fact, sometimes it's listening so intently and so deeply that you hear them say something, you hear them ask something. But it's something... They're not actually asking. There's a question behind the question. I told you a Disney story. Do you know the number one question asked at Disney? What time is the 3 o'clock parade? These are bright people asking questions. It's a true story. But they're not asking what time the parade is because it's in the question. What they're asking is, based on where I'm going to be, I'm going to be in Fantasyland or Tomorrowland or I'm going to be at all these... Where's the best place to sit? Now, what time should I get there? That's the question they're asking. So they figured it out. So if you go and you try, ask the question. They'll say, where are you going to be Like around like 2.15? Well, we're going to be in perfect. If you'll go sit at X spot at about 2.25, you will see, and they'll begin to describe to you what's going to come right. You'll be at the front of the parade. But they've listened enough to people that there's a question behind the question. But see, we cha- we're challenged in that we don't have a lot of people that'll listen to us. Or if people are listening to us, they're like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got stuff to do. I mean, because, and, and I'm guilty of this as well. And so what would it take for me to press pause on what I'm thinking so I can press play on what you're saying? So to be fully present mentally is to do that. Here's the second area. Physically, you know this. This isn't news to you. If I'm going to practice hospitality by being fully present, I can do this with my body language. 
Did you know Princeton did a research project? Princeton came up with these results. That a first impression is registered in one-tenth of a second. That's 100 milliseconds. That's the speed at which a hummingbird flaps its wings. That's fast. Super fast. But specifically, this research project did it based off people's faces. So people's first impression about you, based on your face, is registered in one-tenth of a second. And then they will spend the rest of their time with you judging whether they made the right decision about you or not. So they'll spend more time justifying their decision than they will actually formulating a decision based on the impression. That is so fast. When people come to your church, they make a decision about your church long before they ever get in this room. They make it in the parking lot. Think of it street to seat, right? Think about all the little spots along street to seat that you got to figure out, like, how do we give a certain feeling? Think about people coming to your home. Think about people at school or think about people at your work when they come into your office. What do you want? Not that anybody here would ever say that. It's all these impressions and our body language. So it's super, super fast, right? 55% UCLA did this study. 55% of my body language tells you what I'm saying. 7% were my words. 7% were the words I used, but 55% was about my body language. Don't get weird about this, but I'm going to give you a little trick. If you're ever in a conversation with somebody, one of you will do this very thing. This could be you, this could be them, but don't get weird about it by looking down at their feet. But I always know when somebody's done with a conversation, when they shift their feet away from me. They don't typically shift their upper body, they shift their feet, and it's typically towards a door. Because subconsciously, they're done with a conversation and they're ready to go. You do this. I do this. Unless you're aware, and then you can bring... You ever seen this? You ever seen people do that? That's the beginning of being done with the conversation. They're one foot away from you. Up oh, there's a door. And so, so if you begin to feel like, okay, I'm kind of like, this person's talking a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, it's thinking like your feet. And because what happens is it starts in your feet and it moves up your body. You're, eventually it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your shoulders. And then, oh, for, uh, then for long, you're just like this. And this person should get a clue because like, the conversation's over. <laughs> right? But people do this to you and me. They do it at work. They do it at school. They do it at home. It happens everywhere. We do this to people. Watch, next time you're in a conversation with somebody, watch them. Don't like, uh-huh, uh-huh. That could get weird. But just, just pay, attention to, pay attention to your feet, their feet. Body language. If I'm going to be practicing hospitality, like Jesus asked me to, by being fully present, I have to watch what I say to people. Yes, with my words, but with my body language. So, for instance, if I, if I smile... And I look at you, it says like I'm interested in you or I care about you. When I'm like this, it doesn't always mean this, but it's like I'm like I'm disinterested. Now you just may like, I, I do this because I'm cold. Totally. It makes sense, right? My wife does this. I said, disinterested? She's like, stop. <laughs> but sometimes you do this because you're cold, right? Sometimes when you, you know, when you slouch and you're using you know, your body language, it's like you don't have a lot of confidence, Right? When you don't listen, when you don't lean in, it's like you don't care. 
But the opposite of when you do these things, you tell the person. Subconsciously, they're picking up all of this. This person cares about me. They are with me. And the third and last area, being fully present, is emotionally. Emotionally. The seven most powerful letters in the English alphabet, E-M-P-A-T-H-Y, empathy. Very few have it, but people love it when they feel it. Empathy is literally making the decision to walk in the shoes of somebody else. But you know what? We, me, we're concerned about our zone. You got your zone, I've got my zone. You worry about your zone, I'll worry about my zone. Empathy says, I'm going to leave my zone, and I'm willing to try to figure out what you're feeling, and I'm going to be in that moment with you. Are you excited because you got a job promo? I'm going to celebrate with you. Are you struggling with anxiety and you need to talk? I'm going to listen to you. Sometimes I like to mess with people. This is what I do. I won't do this to anybody in here. But sometimes people are like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, terrible. They're like, good, so good. Glad you're here. Not even, it's a formality. It's a formal thing that people do. We ask how, but when people decide that they're going to, because we're used to people saying what? I'm fine. So every once in a while, I mess with people. Terrible day. Terrible day. Good, good. Glad you're here. Did you? So sometimes I'll say, did you actually hear what, like I said? Yeah, you said you're fine. Mm. Didn't hear. So empathy is one of those things that people long for. I want, you want, when you are Wanting to celebrate, what do you want people to do? Celebrate with you. When you are navigating a, a, a situation in life, if somebody came in and they didn't tell you everything to do, but they came alongside of you and they said, I know that you, I, I just sat with a gentleman the other day. A former businessman. His company decided that they were going to eliminate his entire department that he led. So he's sitting across from me at a breakfast and he's trying to be brave. But you can look in somebody's eyes and you can see hurt. And I'm not the best at this. So he talks and I look at him and I say, Have you ever felt like you have the weight of Stone Mountain on your back and nobody else knows it? Not even your family? And he tears up. And he says, Yes, that's exactly how I feel this morning. And I said, Have you ever felt like Everything that you're trying to do, the, the, the weight will not leave? Yes, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. He asked, have you ever felt like that? So I told him this story. We both had a moment empathetically connected that he could say, you too? Because that's what happens when empathy enters a scene. That the person receiving the empathy can internally look at you and go, you too? And you're not, they're not alone. So emotionally being fully present. Kind of begin to lay in the plane and think about it this way. Imagine this week if you could give somebody one of the greatest and rarest gifts of all. The gift of an unhurried moment. I'm going to give, you don't have to say this. Hey, look, I just want to let you know, I'm going to give you the gift of an unhurried moment. You're going to love this. 
But as they're talking, and I do this, I talk fast to people because I don't want to use much of their time. What if people felt like that when they came to your church? That you could give people the gift of an unhurried moment. Life is hurry. You got you to wash the car. You got to clean the car. It seems like you wash and clean the, you know, uh, clean the car out and it gets dirty again like every like two days. Anybody ever felt like that? Okay, two of you. Fantastic. Um, I need to learn what you do. But, you know, we, we got to do the car. We got to get the kids to whatever. We got to work and we got to go to the store. And, we gotta, and, you, and it's, you just got 50,000 things to do and you just do them. You just do them, right? You just do them then when somebody comes along your way that God is wanting you to practice hospitality towards of being fully present with them, what if you literally gave them an unhurried moment? They didn't feel rushed, but they felt you were fully, fully there with them. That's practicing hospitality. That is being fully present with somebody. Because your words could tell somebody, I see you. I hear you. I value you. And those are words, whether we will say it or not, that we all would love to hear and feel. I don't care how tough you are, you still want to hear and feel that. Everybody does. We're human. It's one reason people try to strive to please God all the time. And God's like, hey, look, I already see you. I I already hear you. I actually already value you. We're constantly in pursuit of that from people. And sometimes we'll do whatever it takes. So when you're not fully present with somebody, you are actually saying to them, I just want to let you know you're not important. Now, who would ever say that? If we were to sit down together and have a conversation over dinner, I'm like, I'm just going to let you know y'all are not important to me, (laughs) but I'm really going to enjoy this dinner. That sounds completely ridiculous. But remember, when people have to make a choice between the words you're saying, the tone you're using, and the body language you demonstrate, your body language will always win. Always. Always. So, I have to choose to be fully with people. It also says, if you're not fully present, you're more of a task to be handled than a person that I'm going to care about. Well, who would say that? I see you as a task. Check. No, you wouldn't do that, but your body language might. But when you choose to be fully present and you practice hospitality this way, this is what you tell them. I recognize you. You're not invisible to me. I'm listening to you. See, there's a difference between listening to and listening through. My wife taught me this because I wasn't listening well, obviously, with the opening story. Listening to is, okay, got it. If you'll quit talking, I got an answer for you. I got a solution. Okay, and you keep talking. Fantastic. You ever been with somebody like that? They just keep on talking. Maybe they just want you to listen to them. I don't know. Maybe you are that person. You just keep on talking. Look, listening to and listening through, here's the difference. Listening to is getting enough from somebody to answer them. It may not be right. It may not be good timing, but you've gotten, you've listened. I've listened to you enough. Got it? Okay. Shh. I got something to say to you, okay? Listening through is I'm going to listen through everything you say, not only just your words, but your emotions, all of it. And then I'll respond if a response is needed. There's a difference. This one, you will always be wiser with your response. This one, you could potentially look like a fool with a response. That's why it's important to listen through somebody's conversation. I want to validate you. I'm going to normalize the way you're feeling. Because people want to know that they're not weird. 
Now, you may be thinking, well, I know some weird people. But you know, people just want to know, like, they're not alone in this, right? When you're fully present with somebody, says, I appreciate you. In other words, you're trusting to talk to me. I don't take this lightly. And then you also say, I'm going to give you my undivided attention. It's, my posture is towards you. Distractions lose, you win. So, if you're like most people, you're busy. And sometimes it's tough to slow down to give people your full presence. I'm guilty of this. I'm the first to tell you. But it's something I've been working on for 10 years. Really, really hard. But what if you didn't think about this as something else to do? What if it was actually more manageable than that? Just small tweaks over time. Just small little 1% tweaks. When Paul wrote Practice Hospitality, he was sharing a characteristic that Jesus would like each of us to demonstrate. We can do this a little at a time. I want to tell you this last story. Uh, Any of you like cycling? Great, two of you. Um, My stories are really resonating with everybody here today. It's fantastic. Team Sky, powerful, okay, cycling team. They had never won a Tour de France. You can imagine they're frustrated, they're embarrassed, they want to win. So they go out and hire this guy, Dave. They bring Dave in. Dave's their performance director. Dave does what you would expect a performance director to do. Okay, look at the tires, the bike frame, the weight, great handlebars, got it, seat, got it. Things that most people would do. But then Dave started doing things that nobody else was doing. You see, each uh, athlete liked a certain type of massage gel, but they were all using the same thing. And so Dave said, that's not, gonna, that's not how we're going to do it. This one works better for you. This works better for you. This works better for you. So they fixed that. Then he said, uh, we're going to figure out which pillow works better for each of you. And then we're going to travel with those pillows. So he started doing some of those things. But the most peculiar thing he did, he taught these grown men how to wash their hands. Why? They didn't wash their hands. They'd get dirty. When they'd get dirty, they'd get infected. When they get infected, they get hurt. When they hurt, they get distracted. When cyclists get distracted, what happens? They lose. If I can wash your hands, I can take all of that out of the equation. So you're not distracted, and we don't lose. So he said, we're going to win the first Tour de France in five years. That did not happen. They won it in three. The same year they went to the Olympics. He coached them in the Olympics. They won 70% of the gold medals. The next year, they won the Tour de France again. And ever since then, they've been a powerhouse in the world of cycling. The point, you don't have to overhaul your life. You just have to make small 1% tweaks at a time. It's called the aggregation of marginal gains. Very small over a period of time creates life change in this area. So, my boss and pastor, he often asks this question. He says, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? What does love require of you? Well, today, love requires us to practice hospitality. And one way to do that is to be fully present with someone. And when you do that, you become a very powerful person in their life. You become a moment maker. You represent Jesus well. You become part of the story that they tell other people. Again, you don't have to revolutionize your life. You just make these small tweaks little by little at home, with your kids, with your spouse. If you're dating somebody, 
at work, maybe it's on the ball field, wherever it is. And when that happens, you create this want to, this effect, where people want to come back to talk to you again. Because they feel comfortable with you, because they feel that you have seen them, you have listened to them, and you value them. Let's pray. Lord, practicing hospitality is sometimes it's tough. And look, I don't need to tell you we're busy. But it doesn't always equal good. So imagine, imagine if we could start practicing hospitality today, just small. Listen to somebody better. Respond to somebody better. Think about, does my body language and my words, they match? How do people feel when I'm around them? So Lord, today help us to think about what Paul wrote in Romans. Practice hospitality. Continually do this with intensity of effort and care. And when we do, we become the people you want us to be. We're living the way you've asked us to live. And when that happens, more people get to see you, which at the end of the day is what it's all about. In Jesus' name, amen.